Welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. Today we're continuing our series called Navigating Our Differences with Unity. We've been saying that often our urge to be right can overcome our call to be gracious, and we stop resembling the Savior we're called to follow. This series looks at a period in the life of the early church where they faced the same struggle and looks at the principles God gave to help them. Most of us have a natural tendency to think that we're right. <laughs> Sprinkle in some Bible verses and now we feel as we have divine confirmation that we are right. That can be dangerous. The Bible teaches that there are many areas where we should agree to disagree and we should be agreeable when we do. Right now, many people find themselves struggling to agree to disagree agreeably about our response to the pandemic. But every generation faces struggles in this area. I read this week of a church in rural Montana that had its own challenge back in the late 90s. Two high schoolers were part of the varsity football team, and that meant long hours traveling to other schools to play games lasting late into the night. The church pianist approached the pastor one Sunday and said, I hope you don't mind if the boys wear hats in church today. They got in late from the game last night and they didn't wake up in time to take showers. So their hair's all messed up. Well, the pastor didn't seem to see it was a problem. Others disagreed. As the behavior continued, one man came and asked them to remove their hats out of respect for the house of God. The boys refused. And in a show of solidarity, the stepfather put on his own hat and sat down beside them. Some saw the hat wearing as an important statement of Christian freedom. Surely it was more important for the boys to be in church than it was to police what they were wearing. Others saw the hats as deeply offensive and affront to God. Eventually, the pastor asked the boys not to wear their baseball caps. And in these ensuing arguments, 15% of the church walked out never to return. I don't know if you have strong convictions about guys wearing hats in church, but if you think the reaction by both sides was extreme or overblown, let me suggest that everyone else's battles always look that way to us. If it's not your issue, it doesn't feel like it should be an issue. But if it is your issue, it often feels like it's everything. I want to talk today about how to not argue over baseball caps. I want to look at a passage that teaches us how not to be critical and judgmental about disputable issues and how to know whether your issue is disputable or not. To do that, I'd ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. If you don't have a Bible, click on the link for today's passage in the description below. Romans 14, verses 1 to 12. As for the one whose faith is weak, or who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. 
The one who observes a day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of God. Now, I want to walk you through three critical principles from this passage that help us to know when to agree to disagree and how to do so agreeably. The first is this, stop judging people based on your opinions. We need to distinguish between clear cases of sin and heresy and the many judgment calls that we have to make where scripture isn't as obvious. Stop judging people based on your opinions. In verse 1, Paul wades into an issue that threatened the unity of the church. He says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The Christians have lined up on two sides over some issues they're confronted with. One of the problems had to do with food and the other with special days. He describes their positions in verses 2 and 5. In verse 2, he says, One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. And in verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Now, these Christians had come to opposite conclusions. And he labels one group as those who are weak in faith, and later he'll refer to the other group as those who are strong. So it's not as if Paul's neutral on the subject. He believes that one side is right and the other side is wrong. But instead of awarding points or keeping score, he says in verse 1, welcome him. Some translators have receive him. And in verse 3, he gives the reason. And that's because God has accepted him or God has welcomed him. God accepts us even when we get it wrong. And the difference between God and us is that he actually knows when we get it wrong. We're not God, so we shouldn't show more, we should show more patience and more graciousness, but we usually show less. Now, I want to deal with a word in verse one that may be causing you problems. He says, not to quarrel over opinions. <laughs> but do you know what you and I usually think? It's not my opinion. If you're a Christian, and you know anything about the Bible, one of the greatest temptations is to think that all of your opinions are biblical convictions. And the people Paul was addressing would have thought the exact same thing. The people who were only eating vegetables were doing so because most of the meat that you could buy in the market had come from the pagan temples. In the temples in Rome, people would take a bull, burn a portion to their gods, eat some as part of the ceremony, and then the leftovers would be sold to the public. There were Christians with a weak conscience who said, I won't have any part of it. I'll go vegetarian to prove my devotion to God. 
And they would have pointed to the example of Daniel and his friends in exile in Babylon, who resolved to only eat vegetables and water rather than eat anything unclean. The other group, group, though, would point to the words of Jesus. He declared all foods clean. In Mark 7, 15, he said, There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. So they both had their verses. They both were trying to be obedient to God. And one side was clearly wrong. But Paul said, don't argue about it. There's something more important than being right. It was the same attitude with the, with the Christian attitudes toward days in verse 5. Some, some believed they should observe the Sabbath and other festivals like Passover and the Day of Atonement. And they would point to their verses. Keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments after all. But those who were stronger in their faith didn't observe those Old Testament restrictions anymore. They saw them as fulfilled in Christ and no longer binding on the, under the New Covenant. The stricter Christians saw the others as liberals. They condemned them for their disobedience and unfaithfulness. And the more free Christians looked down on the vegetarian Sabbath keepers and thought they were legalists, the kind of people who outlawed baseball caps in church. But Paul says, cut it out. Stop arguing with each other. In verse 3, he says, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. If it's not clearly sin or heresy, we're sinning against God if we make an issue out of it. You and I know that there are enough obvious sins that we need to work on that we don't need to look down on each other for things that just aren't as clear in Scripture. Honestly, we need to stop judging each other for each other's judgment calls when Scripture just isn't clear. So why do we keep doing that? We need to stop dividing over things that aren't central. We need, we need to stop judging people based on our opinions, even if those opinions come with Bible verses. If you accept what this passage says, you may be tempted to think, if people disagree on these questions, maybe they don't matter. But that's not what it says. After telling us to stop judging people based on our opinions, we're called to make our own decisions to honor the Lord. The judgment calls that we're faced with aren't worth criticizing each other over, but they are worth digging into the Bible and trying to get right. Make your own decision to honor the Lord. In verse 5, Paul says this, Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now that's hard because if you're trying to make a decision, different Christians are going to tell you different things. Sometimes, as soon as there are different Christian perspectives on an issue, people will conclude that nobody really knows. Or they'll say, there's no way of being certain. But that's only the case if you make your decisions based on other people's opinions. Hard decisions should drive you to the Word of God. You should look to the Bible for answers. But you should also have the humility to listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ to see if you're not missing something. Literally, as I was preparing this message, I got a notification in my inbox about a new theological debate that's just been stirred out. A prominent evangelical scholar tweeted on Monday that Christians should cut off their man buns in obedience to 1 Corinthians 11.14. 
Does that settle it for you? Does a guy with some degrees in a Bible verse mean you should cut your hair? Well, Paul says, be fully convinced in your own mind. Search the scriptures for yourself. Now, I don't have a man bun, but personally, I'm fully convinced that that's not what that verse is teaching. But if you're a guy who is going to grow your hair long, you shouldn't take my opinion or someone else's opinion. You should come to a decision about what that text does mean and what scripture does teach. And make sure that it's the Lord, not your own preference, that drives your decision. That's the point of verse 6. There it says, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. And then dropping down, he says, and the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. Get your opinions from the Lord. Make your decisions to honor the Lord. And that doesn't just mean praying about it. That means going to the Bible rather than going with your gut. It means looking to the family of God instead of just looking to Google. Instead of that, I fear we often just go with what seems like the most conservative position or the most progressive position or the position of our favorite preacher or our coolest YouTuber or maybe just your parents. You need to be convinced from the scripture yourself and you need to make the decision to honor the Lord, not to follow some other person. And finally, the passage closes by telling us why. We're warned that we'll have to give an account for our decision. We'll have to answer for the decisions we made and for how we treated people who differed from us. We'll give an account for our decision. Verse 4 says this, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Again, we're picturing the strict Christians who had given up meat and meticulously observed the Sabbath, and their tendency was to judge the other believers as liberals. Look at all that they had been giving up. They couldn't help but feel that they were taking the easy way out and comp compromising on obedience. And the stronger Christians who knew that the scriptures gave freedom in these areas, well, they had a tendency to look down on the weaker Christians and see them as uptight, legalistic, and sub-Christian. And we've seen those same kinds of attitudes back and forth over the last two years. Christians have judged each other on the basis of their vaccination status and response to the restrictions. And Paul's response is not to say, this group over here has it right, so they're justified in mocking and looking down on the others. No, he instead he says to both groups, who do you think you are? That person that you're looking down on isn't your servant. They belong to the Lord. And if they've made the decision they have as a sincere expression of their faith in order to honor the Lord, then who do you think you are judging them the way you do? That's like going to someone's birthday party and critiquing the gifts that the other, gifts brought, the other guests brought. It's none of your business. If the person belongs to the Lord, then leave it to the Lord to sort out. Stop critiquing and other people's judgment calls. And don't look down on people who disagree with you. It'll just rob your joy. Carlo Corretto said this, 
We're not happy because we're unforgiving. And we're unforgiving because we feel superior to, that, to others. Now, there's no question that those two groups in the church in Rome were feeling superior towards each other. They thought they were better than them. And so they showed no grace toward each other. But when a Christian has no grace, there's just anger and no joy. And the same thing is happening now in the pandemic. There are too many Christians feeling superior and judging others for decisions that in many cases are being made to the Lord out of sincere conviction. Paul's saying, it doesn't matter that you think they're wrong. It doesn't even matter that they are wrong. Jesus hasn't given you the authority to judge them. He's the one who will do that. But he won't just judge them. He'll judge all of us. That's Paul's point in verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Now we need to talk about the judgment that Paul's describing here in verse 10, because it's the only thing that will keep you from judging other people. Every time you look down on someone's decision, you're acting like God doesn't see it. Every time you grumble at another Christian for a position they've taken, you're acting like God doesn't care. Every time you judge someone, hate someone, or reject someone for their actions, it's because you don't believe that God will judge them, so you figure you have to do the job instead. Hear the word of God. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. He said the same thing in 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That gives us relief on one hand because it assures you that he'll deal with the people who have judged you and criticized you. He'll confront the people who have hurt you and wronged you and he'll get it right. His justice will take into account their motives and their heart. His judgment will factor in what they've been told. His judgment, judgment won't be based on mood or temperament or political affiliation. He'll do a much better job of judgment than we ever could. And believing and remembering that helps us to let go. It helps us to let go of the anger and the frustration, the feelings of bitterness. But his judgment isn't just for other people we will all stand before it. We must all appear before it. And so if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, then the Bible says that you will pay for your sins. God doesn't weigh the good deeds we've done against the bad. He doesn't grade us on a bell curve. He warns that the wages of sin is death and the judgment that we're due is eternal. But Jesus came to pay that penalty for us. He died the death that we deserved so that we could live the life that he purchased. If you haven't trusted in him, come to him today. But if you have, then know that your salvation is secure, but that doesn't mean that our lives don't have any consequences. We'll still all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll receive eternal rewards on the basis of how we lived. That's why... We should be fully convinced in our minds about the decisions that we're faced with. That's why we should seek to honor the Lord in all that we do.
We don't need to worry about what other people think about our convictions regarding meat or special days. But we do need to worry about what Jesus thinks. Now, I can't say for certain, but when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, I don't think he's going to ask us about baseball caps or man buns. But I am certain that we'll have to answer for at least one thing. Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. You and I will have to answer for the criticism, the grumbling, and the judgmental words that were used. We'll have to answer for those times when we argued with people about our opinions and looked down on people who didn't agree with us. We'll answer for the times when we acted like our own judge and pretended as if Jesus' judgment didn't matter. One day, we'll all bow before him and confess what he already knows about us. So humble yourself now. Confess your sins to him and turn from them in repentance. Purpose in your heart not to play the judge. Choose to be a peacemaker. Learn to understand people who come to different conclusions. No more condemnation. No more condescension. Only a life lived to honor the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is a judge and he is good. Thank you, Father, that Jesus has taken that role which we do so poorly and imperfectly. Thank you, Father, that because Jesus is the judge, we do not have to uh, avenge ourselves. We don't, we don't have to take up our wrongs. But the reality is, your judgment isn't just for other people. So give us grace, Father. Give us grace to examine our hearts, to examine our words, to see if we haven't looked down on others who disagree with us, whether we haven't been those who have judged and despised even our own brothers and sisters in the body of Christ over things that are not central, things that are not nearly as clear in Scripture as we would like to think. Help us, Father, to be the people who aren't so consumed with being right that we forget to be gracious. But help us to turn to your word, to search the Scriptures, to be fully convinced in our own mind and a purpose in our hearts to honor you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I hope this message has helped you to see when to agree to disagree and how to do so agreeably. If it stirred up questions or you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, send me an email or leave a comment below. And if you think this is a message that others need to hear, share the link and help spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.